Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is a weekly conversation with someone that I find truly inspiring, and hopefully this conversation will leave you truly inspired as well. My goal on this show is to talk with guests who have a great story to tell or who have achieved something remarkable in their lives through their story, hopefully get inspired myself, perhaps inspire you too. If you're new to the show, welcome. Glad you could be here. Please check out some other episodes. There's lots if you're a subscriber, welcome back. If you hear something that resonates with you today, if it's for you, please, all I ask is you tell a friend, tweet out a link, pop it in a Facebook show, pop it in a Facebook post. That would be wonderful. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. Find me online, osherginsberg.com, where you can subscribe to the email list. I'll let you know about new episodes, occasionally post a little something extra. Uh, that you're not going to get anywhere else. My guest on the show today, clinical psychologist and author of six books, Joe Lamble. She's on Twitter at Joe, J-O, Lamble, L-A-M-B-L-E, all one word. More about her in the moment. I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody that reached out through the week. Uh, I can't tell you how much it lifts me uh, to know 
that you're listening, to know that what I'm talking about resonates with you, and you know, honestly, to to know that I'm not alone. Joe and I talk about this. We talk about validation, and um, it's nice to know that I'm not the only person going through this life with brains that are a little little left of the mainstream, brains that do a behave a little differently to what apparently everybody else's brain behaves. I managed to see my doctor this week, which I thoroughly recommend. I thoroughly recommend if you're not feeling 100%. I mean, how do I put this? If you're at a party and you're the only one at the party not laughing at everyone else's joke, either because, I don't know, life just ceased to be fun a while ago, or you're not at the party because leaving the house is just too damn hard or far too scary, look, it might be something serious. Uh, So please, just go to see your doctor. Let her know. Let him know. Um, I've been in all three scenarios. One usually leads to the other, which leads to the other. And it was and is my doctor that's helping me out of that place. Um, Look, like I told you a couple of weeks ago, I've been back on meds for a little while now, about two months, about two months. My doctor put me on something a little extra the other day just to help give me some breathing room. And it's just... It's wild. The effect that this new one has, it's very similar to a sensation that I was able to bring on in the past with just meditation and rationalization. But I'd lost that ability quite a while ago on my kind of my slide down. But I didn't think in anything of it at the time. Now I consider it, it's, that was quite a red flag that day. The day that I was no longer able to stop the negative chatter just through breathing, through rationalization, through meditation... That should have been a point where I sought help. Now I'll look at it, you know, not being able to get myself into that place of peace alone. It really should have caused me about as much alarm as finding myself out to sea in a life raft and suddenly completely forgetting how to swim. You know, it should have been that alarming. Well, now I know. Anyway, so I'm doing all I can, keeping fit, getting eight hours sleep, turning up to work, doing my best. And most importantly, sometimes just doing the opposite of what my initial reaction tells me to do. Um, A perfect case yesterday morning, I had some people over to my house for breakfast. And when they were leaving, one of them invited me to go check out the farmer's market at Bondi Public School. And my brain just went, no, don't go, strangers, crowds, forget it. It's way safer to stay home, way safer to hide. I knew straight away was to go, yes, I'm coming with you. Just do the opposite. So... I went to the market. It was beautiful. It was a lovely day. I ate some ridiculously overpriced quinoa porridge. I hula hooped with a friend's kid, bumped into a couple of friends I hadn't seen in ages. It was really nice. And I would have missed out on all that if I'd have gone with my initial reaction. Anyway, that's, that's what's going on with me this week. Um, so let me tell you about my guest, who is somewhat related uh, to what's been going on with me at the moment, because uh, I'm fascinated with this kind of thing. And when I'm interested in something, I like to find out as much about it as I possibly can. Jo Lamble is wonderful. You know her. You've seen her on the telly. She's a clinical psychologist. She's an author. She's a mother. Um, She's been on Australian TV for some time now. All the morning shows, Sunrise, Today, Studio 10, Carrie Ann. She's a writer. She's penned no less than six books. Six. Her newest book is called Detox Your Relationship. Keep an eye out for it. Um, It's coming out in June 2014, not far away. We talk about her path to becoming a psychologist, how she keeps barriers up so she doesn't bring her work home, which I imagine would be kind of weird. Uh, and then she offers like some really incredible, powerful, and yet very simple insights into how you can make your relationship now or your next relationship be of far more value to both you 
and your partner than you may have imagined. It's some really eye-opening stuff. Follow her on Twitter. I ask kindly that if you hear something that you like, just let her know. At Joe Lamble, J-O-L-A-M-B-L-E. Just let her know you, you heard this and you dug it um, and just link back to the show. Just click share in the podcast app you're using or just put osherginsberg.com. So let's do this. Enjoy this. It's a lovely morning's chat while I do my laundry with Joe Lamble. Good morning, Joe Lamble. Good morning, Usher. How do you do? I do very well today. Well, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Thank you. It's uh, thanks for bringing me coffee. But you won't drink. Well, I love caffeine. It's the only thing that I have in my life. It's like the only drug, really, that I have in my life that isn't prescribed. And <laughs> I do have to be careful of how much I have. Because I'd love to have it now and talk with you and have a fantastic conversation all jived up on caffeine, but I've already had two cups today. And then at some time about two o'clock this morning when my brain, my, my brain is going, I will regret it. And I just learned the other day why that is, yeah. that you know that caffeine blocks the sleepy mm-hmm. hormones and neurotransmitters That's in the That's the technical brain. term for yeah. them, the yeah. sleepy hormone. The sleepy, well, the ne- sleepy neurotransmitters yeah. in our brain. So it blocks them. And so you do feel all buzzy and that's mm-hmm. great. I can, you know, do this fantastic interview. I can drive to Brisbane. I can do whatever. But then it just stores up all those transmitters. So as soon as it wears off, then everybody that was all those sleepy transmitters that were being blocked off just come rushing in. Oh. So you think, okay, I'll have another one. I'll have another one to keep staying awake. But all you're doing is you're just storing it up for them to be released. And that's why you crash? That's why you crash. To be honest, I was having a lot of trouble sleeping, and I, I, so I, slipped, I switched to drinking tea, and I was, I, was, I was having a lot of trouble sleeping, and then I got back on coffee. I'm sleeping really well now. Maybe that's why, because the drop-off is so intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just have to time it. Yes, you've got to time it. You just have that's to time right. it right. Well, I'm yeah. glad you're here. There's a lot I'd like to talk to you about. You have a new book called Detox Your Relationship, your sixth book? Yes. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Sick. I haven't written one. I've written bits of some, but I've never written a book. Uh, I've written lots of bits too. There's lots of, <laughs> lots yeah. of bits. I wrote some stuff for a book when I was still drinking. <laughs> I remember uh, sending it to my agent going, and I'm going to put this in the book. It's like, you sure you want that published for life? I'm, yeah, I totally want that. <laughs> I'm not going to say what book it is, but there's some fairly graphic confessional going on. <laughs> that, that rational thinking oh, under the look, influence. You know... It was a good idea at the time. <laughs> uh, but I would like, you know, because a lot of people listen to the show outside of Australia and, you know, not everybody's known to everyone. So I would, you know, I, I like to talk to people who have made what they like to do their, their living. And, and, and then like clearly you love being a psychologist because uh, from what you told me the other day, no one gets into being a psychologist for the money. No, that's right. <laughs> no one gets into the, to be a psychologist or to write a book for the money. So right. when did you decide to become a psychologist? When I was 12. Now, I know. how did you even know it was a job? Yeah, it's funny. In fact, I think around 12 I wanted to be a psychiatrist and then I found out you had to study for 13 years. So that went out the window and I thought, what else can I do? And then that's when I decided. My research showed me that you could be a psychologist for only Your 12-year-old years research? Yes, my 12-year-old research. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was a really nerdy, conchy, studying kid. Yeah, and I really liked it. I loved that friends came and told me all their problems and I listened and I really learned really at a really young age just to listen. I wasn't into the problem solving. Uh-huh. I just wanted to listen and hear it. 
And I think that really helped. I also had um, parents who were madly telling me not to be a psychologist, that it would be frightening and scary and terrible and you'd be carrying around everyone's problems and you'd get yourself in dangerous situations, which didn't help when I first did my first university placement and was knocked out unconscious by a patient. So that they went home and said, see, this is what I told you not to do it. But it didn't put me off and um, on I went. But how, how at 12... I mean, I knew at 12 that I wanted to be on... I knew I was going to be on stage in some way. Mm. I knew pretty sure that I wanted to be some kind of on-stage look-at-me job, uh, which I ended up getting for not the right reasons. But <laughs> uh, how did you know psychologist? How did, how did you know that was the most effective way for you to help people? I just... Uh, it's a really good question. I don't know. I just learned early the power of listening. Perhaps mm. it was my parent, perhaps mm -hmm. that they were good role models on, on how to listen. So I, I just found that really how I just remember so clearly coming home from school every afternoon and my mum was a kindy teacher so she could get home from work around the same time I got, we got home from school and we just used to sit there having a cup of tea just talking about our days and I just loved it and I thought wow what a great job if you could just sit there with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and just listen to people. So, yeah, it just, it just stuck and I never wavered. I mean, it's really, really lucky to, yeah. to know that so young, to go through school thinking, right, this is the score I need to get to get into university, this is what I need to do to get into, yeah. you know, postgraduate study and this is the job I want. And, and I have never wavered from, from loving that job. That's uh, a... Very lucky. Do you think more people know but they don't realise they know? What they want to do. Yeah. I think a lot of people have an idea what they want to do, but they're too scared to, to give it a voice mm -hmm. or they're too scared to tell anyone because that a lot of people have a fear of failure. And a fear of failure doesn't mean that you don't fail. It means you try and set yourself up to fail so you can be in control of that failure. So people often sabotage things by saying, okay, I, I, I you know, procrastination, perfect example. I, I won't study for that exam or do that uh, assignment until the very last minute because if I, didn't, if I don't succeed, I know why. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's, it's the same with, with careers that people think, oh, gosh, I'd love to be on stage or I'd love to write a book or, or um, be an environmentalist or psychologist, whatever it is, but I'd, I don't know if I'll try because if I don't get that dream, then that's going to feel worse. So I might not try that hard at school or I might not try that hard at work and then at least I'm in control of my destiny. We're really weird creatures in that we can sabotage so easily. It doesn't sound like a conscious decision though, it sounds like a subconscious decision. Yeah, and lots of these decisions that we make at a very young age are subconscious. We have these really strong defences, ways of protecting ourselves from all sorts of fears. You think about you know, the, the mo people who have had the most horrendous abuse or trauma, they learn really early on clever ways to protect themselves by dissociating. It's a very common one mm -hmm. where they escape from their own bodies and minds and so they're, they're outside themselves looking in. What a clever way the brain has to protect themselves from that pain. But of course a lot of these defences down the track cause problems because in that case you might then go on to develop a um, dissociative identity disorder, which is multiple personality, no. we used to call it. Um, again, a very clever way to protect ourselves, but does, of course, lead to problems down the track. So, yeah, Problems is a small word. Problems is a small, <laughs> word, small word. Small word to describe yes. what yes. that happens. Yes. Did you uh, ever 
see a psychologist before you went to go and study how to become one? No, in in uh, That's no. Wild. I know. That's cuz like I would oh, no. I knew I wanted to be on stage. I saw heaps of bands, uh, you know, and I you know, I saw what it was to yes. do it for a living. Yes, to, yes. To never have been on in the other chair, that yeah. is wild. Well, I think it's naughty. I I think it I think it's bad that I haven't. Mind you, you do when you're going through study, you have supervisors all the time. You have your clinical supervisor, your thesis supervisor, that sort of thing. Then you go and do play Placements where you've got a supervisor watching you with people, then you go and do your you're in your first job and you have to be supervised for two years. So there's a lot of supervision, if you like, and so their opportunity... I know when I was finishing um, my clinical master's on my last placement, my father died, um, mm. and we were very close and it was just horrendously distressing, and, and I know that all my supervision at that stage was about my own grief... Right. Not about the, the clients that I was seeing. So, you know, I like to think in the way I have had okay. <laughs> um, some... Oh, I have. I've had a lot of help. And still today, I still meet regularly with my peers that we talk about our, our clients, but we also talk about what's going on for ourselves. Yeah, I could imagine... Uh, I could imagine boundaries is a, is a, a skill you'd need very, very robustly in your arsenal to do your job. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of those sort of boundary skills. You know, one, obviously, the most important is confidentiality. So you are, you've got people's vulnerabilities in your hands, you're here, and you want them to feel completely safe to open up, knowing that you are not going to be chatting about that over a dinner party. Yeah, so, right. So that's a really strong boundary. And then you have this other one, which is it can be a little murky. The the one where how much do you self disclose? Mm -hmm. So um, I I'm a believer that there are times when you you do self disclose because mm -hmm. there are important ways that people need to know that yes I have you know I do understand because of mm. this reason, but they certainly don't want to sit there and listen to your life story while you're helping them. I, I'm just just did a quick count in my head. I think I'm probably around eleven or thirteen therapists I've mm. had in my life so far mm. probably some it's probably some I can't remember that's I started when I was five oh, I got wow. sent to a shrink when I was five four I don't know I was mm. five mm. obviously something wasn't right if you're mm. sending a five-year-old mm. taking them out of school to make a two o'clock appointment or a one o'clock appointment mm. and bringing them back to school for the last hour mm. I don't recall it was five. It was 1979. Mm. And some things, you know, yeah. I wish more parents did that. Right. Uh, anxiety is a perfect example. If really young kids learn some strategies to deal with anxiety, it yeah. can help down the track. Whereas other things that you... I wouldn't advise parents to take their child to a psychologist because that just implants the idea mm. in the child that there's something wrong with them. Yeah, I remember... When I learned what a panic attack was, I remember having them as young as four. Mm. Yeah, I remember that feeling. From his young, once I realised what it was, yeah, I was right. Like, I know that. How scary! That happened. Like thinking the world's ending. Mm. Like totally thinking the world's ending. Mm. Yeah, it was mm. a shocker. Um, but when I talk, I often tell people that, oh, you know, oh, that's the sound of my laundry machine going. By the way, we're in my house in Bondi. <laughs> just in case you're wondering where we are, so there are there are cars driving by. There's you know the sounds of Bondi Beach on a whatever the day of the week it is, and that's that's my towels drying. Oh, I love to know that you're keeping clean. That's it's very great. domestic. I cleaned before you arrived. Oh, excellent. Well, I, when I, I used to live like 100, 200 metres down the road in that building over there. And at that point in my life, you know, I look at Hoarders now, the TV show, and I was like, oh, my goodness, that's what my house looked like. And it just wasn't well. I didn't realise that 
what the way my house looked like was out a symptom of my inner brain's workings. Yes, I, I often wish I could get inside the homes of the people I see just to give you that sort of sense. And I often ask when they say, oh, my house is like a bomb's hit it. Just describe, describe that a little bit yeah. more, you know? Are you I had, really I had cleared pathways on the floor so I could mm. walk to and from places. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's sounding more like yeah, I wasn't, recording. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't very I wasn't very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. very well. Recording's um, a very good friend of anxiety. Better now. Mm. But when I look back, and this is when I was on, you know, massive television show and, like, uh, doing commercials and, you know, on on covers of magazines and things, my house looked like I was just collecting everything that I walked past. And would you have people over? Oh, yeah. Mm. And they would look at... I had to bring girls over. I was kind of single at the time. I would bring girls over and they'd just go, "Uh, okay. You'd say this way. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember my... uh, There was one night when uh, my... Then girlfriend, now ex-wife, um, was coming to come and stay, and two of my best mates in the world they knew she was coming over. They're like, "We're coming over." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Why?" They're like, "Mate, you can't. She can't see your house like this. She can't." And they called it straight eye for the straight guy. They came over and bless them. They they just knew that I wasn't. And could you see at that point that no, there was anything? No, wrong? I didn't think there was anything wrong at all. No, they just came over and they they went for it and yeah and did everything have a reason for being there that you were just thinking I'll get to that I'll get to uh, that yeah that it did it did yeah, there, yeah yeah and then I was spending a lot of time in America and so I'd, I'd let I'd sublease my place out and so friends would come and stay and, and uh, a, a girlfriend of mine a uh, girl comma friend of mine girl space friend of mine <laughs> hyphen friend I don't know friend of mine she went and stayed there and of course obviously it was far too much for her mm. and so she just picked everything up and stuffed it in a cupboard and I got back and I found my precious things stuffed in a cupboard and it was I, I took it like a mortal personal offence mm. that this had happened you know how dare you touch my stuff you know because something something precious might be in there that you don't even know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and things were just she was like just picked up a pile of papers and shoved it in a cupboard because it was just a pile of papers like bills and receipts and magazines and pizza flyers and whatever some of that bills receipts important well you know but for me it was like this Mm. my personal precious I took Mm. a great personal offence to it I look back now I wasn't well Mm. but you know it's anyway where do we go (laughs) (laughs) so yeah uh, I can only imagine that of those 13 maybe 14 people that I've given a history to and, and shared time with. Oh, I wasn't even counting the last one. Um, uh, the ones that I've clicked with are the ones that have had empathy. So mm. I'm sure that in your job, you have to show at least some empathy so you're not just staring at a shoe or mm. doodling. Mm. Yet to show empathy, you have to have some amount of compassion and you have to have some sort of emotional, energetic response to a client it must take some... Do they teach you skills how to wash that off at the end of the day so you don't bring it to your own home? Like if you've heard story, like a, a history of enormous trauma or, or someone who's quite toxic. Because mm. we all have friends like that. When you spend time with them, you're like, ooh. Like one of the guys that I just described who came over to clean my house, he, after I stopped drinking, uh, I went and stayed at his place up in uh, northern New South Wales and he said, mate, I've got to tell you, having you come to stay here, I was a bit worried because... After I would see you, it would often take a couple of hours for me to calm down because you were quite difficult to be around. He said, but you're really okay to be around now. Mm. So I can't only imagine what it's like seeing eight of those people in a row in a day. Yeah, I think, I think the difference is, unfortunately, they didn't teach that 
<laughs> when you were studying. You so think that's a skill exactly that's you, important for you to have. Yeah, you would, but like an O H and S issue. Yeah, but you, but you don't. You do. You do. As I said, the the peer supervision where you all sit around and talk about what's going on for you. That's that's really important. That's helpful, but that's once a month or mm. you know, so you can't store it up that long. I think it's also it is learning on the job. I certainly found, you know, when I started in. 1989, that, um, yeah, things used to affect me a lot more. It's not that they, certain people really do play on, on your mind because of what's going on for them, but it's also that you, you do learn to, the skill of mindfulness too. You do learn to just be with that person during that hour and they have your full attention and all your empathy and compassion and then you need to then move on and, and give the next person mm. that same amount of attention and compassion and empathy. And I think it's that skill that you learn on the job mm. that means that when you also uh, say, right, that's the end for the day and then I'm going home to my children and my partner, then they also deserve enough empathy and attention. I think that where I struggle though is that I do at times, I know when I'm feeling a little um, burnt out is when I have that thought, what about me? Mm -hmm. uh, who's giving me the empathy and compassion? That's when I think, okay, that might be that I'm storing it up a bit too much and ah. that's when I need to go to my poor husband <laughs> and, and offload again, not breaking in confidentiality but saying, wow, all of this is in my head and he's got to sit there and try and follow what on earth I'm talking about. That's okay. If he's a good husband, he'll just <laughs> yeah, go, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that must have been tough. Yeah, yeah. Really? Well, he won't do any of that. He hasn't quite learned. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he does. He's a good listener. Yeah. And he's, I think the best thing he does is he's just very affectionate. So he will just... By by touch or cuddle or a hug, just Aww. know that you're loved, and I think that is, you know, in my case, what I need because I've had enough talking. So yeah, I like even though I've said I've seen this many people, I it's only because of this many people that I'm able to do my job. Mm. If I hadn't have seen this people, particularly the person that I was caught by the public health system when I was 19, I was kind of falling through the cracks a bit, and because of that particular therapist. Um, she kind of talked me out of the isolated down. I just didn't speak to anybody. I was hid in my house. It was, I was, it was a very, very weird time of my life. Um, because of that person, I'm, I am who I am today, mm. gratefully so. Mm. Uh, but if I hadn't been caught by that person, I, I can't even imagine where I would be today. So, yes, it sounds like I've had a lot of work, but I'm only here because of a lot of work. Mm. So, but when I tell people how valuable this has been to me, because I saw the road I was going down, they're all a bit, oh, I could never tell people my secrets. Mm. I could never tell someone my secrets. What would you say to someone who's listening that is afraid of having this kind of intimate, open conversation with a therapist? Well, firstly, of course, you and I totally understand that. It is a really scary thought because, yeah, that, it's that vulnerability. To show your vulnerability, if you're going through life with half a mask on mm. to protect yourself so nobody can can touch that deep hurt then of course that's a really scary thing but all I would say is just give it a go you know just just go for one session don't try and get your head around the whole idea of therapy and long term and digging deep and understanding just just go along and and talk because often if you've got a good person you can often sense that on the phone with somebody mm -hmm. um then often it only just takes that first hour for them to just feel 
um, the, the benefits straight away, to feel this objective person who's, who's not going to be affected by, by what you say, like their partner might be or their friends or family, mm. um, but also can know how to show that compassion and empathy and they, they feel that it's such a magical feeling when someone not just empathises, but they validate you. And that's what's really important. And validation is along the lines of, well, gosh, no wonder you're struggling. That, that sounds like you've got a hell of a lot on your plate. And, and just something like that without someone saying, well, come on, life goes on, or chin up, or you should be grateful for this, or what about that? What about me? I know how you feel because I've got that too, which is what yeah. <laughs> and the rest of your yeah. often friends and family do. To see the difference of that, it's pretty powerful. And they normally come back. I also t- tell people um, that it's okay to shop around. Mm, definitely. It's like any service. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. Without doubt, and I always say to someone, yeah, just go along once. Don't don't commit to that, mm. and then just say. Somebody said to me yesterday, a client, they were looking for. A, um, they see me as an individual, so they can't see me as a couples uh, counselor as well. And they were shopping around for a couples counselor, and this person they rang. And they said on their website they sounded really good, but the person said you need to commit upfront now to coming in weekly for I think it was three or four months. And she hadn't, they hadn't even had a session. They hadn't even know, you know, known if they can strike up a rapport huh. the way they're working, of course. They said, well, no thanks. So well, okay. And the, the therapist said, okay, well, clearly you're not committed or you're not ready to the process. Pardon? <laughs> why, why is that the case? Nowhere else in life do we just accept a service ongoing until we've tried We've it. all got a mortgage, but come on. That's <laughs> no, sort of, yeah, it doesn't work like a gym membership, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that's a good thing. That's Did he make them pay up front as well? Um, I didn't get that. It was, yeah, maybe they did. That's I think ridiculous. you often, that sort of place, often you do need to hand over your credit card oh, so they can just... Oh, um, goodness yeah, yeah, But no, you're quite right. Lots of people shop around. And so you should. And there's lots of people that I see and I can tell and they can tell. We, 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 it's you know, not working. It's not working. Yeah. So you then recommend, you know who I think would really oh. suit you? And you do. You, you recommend strongly someone else. Yeah. That's important. So... You've, you've written, most of your books are about relationships, boys and girls, boys and boys, girls and girls, mm-hmm. um, occasionally parents, sibling, parents and children. What are, you know, I'm interested, like, so for, as far as like an individual goes, you know, there are certain things like, hang on, well, I'm the only person in my group of friends who seems to be worried about this, or I'm the only person that I know that is not having a good time at this party. Maybe something's up with how I'm perceiving things. So I know that's some of my triggers. But what about when it's two of you? What about when you're in a relationship? What are some early signs Cause that, that you know, something might be amiss in a relationship? I think, a romantic relationship. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, and tell me if this makes sense, but if, if you think this relationship's not bringing out the best in you, mm-hmm. that, that's a really worrying sign. So it's, I don't believe that when we're in a relationship, we are two halves of one whole. You know, you are still two individuals huh. who are just choosing to be together. You hear that in wedding vows know, all the damn it. time. I There's jewellery designed yeah, around it. Hate it. Hate it. Because huh. it's as if you lose half yourself and you, you, you know, mould into one. And I, and I think that, I mean, we can talk about that too in, in the, the dangers of losing half yourself in a relationship. But, but if you think about these two individuals who are choosing to be together, 
if when you're with this person you're becoming insecure for the first time or really jealous or you're you're fighting a lot or you're you know you're really angry or irritable or you've become I don't know, really unhealthy physically or you're feeling lazier than you ever have or more stressed, then you think, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not normally like this in a relationship. Why am I thinking of checking this person's phone? Why am I <gasps> snooping around on this person? You know, really, to me, you think, stop it. Instead of blaming what's this person doing or, or what needs to change, just think, I don't think I like who I'm becoming here. And uh-huh. if you get that sense, then it's really time to stop and review that relationship. So the, the book title is, is pretty full on. Detox <laughs> your relationship. Well, it's very on trend. It you is. Know, detox but it implies stuff. that relationships can be full of toxic things. It it can, and that's true. And so what be. kind of toxic things are we talking about? Well, my, the other way of looking at it is if, you know, the, the, these toxins can be ruining a perfectly good relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea. You, I, I really believe unless... I mean, there are certain things that are deal-breakers, obviously, if there's domestic violence, if, you know, that there's, there's things that you... You, can, you can't fix within that relationship. But so many relationships can be saved and can be strengthened. Even good relationships can become stronger if you take some of these toxins away. And some of these toxins include that, you know, some of them are a lack of something, you know, so lack of empathy. If there is no empathy and understanding and validation, then, as I said, you, you might have a, a good relationship, but over time you're going to feel... If I couldn't come home and, and receive that empathy or my partner couldn't get it from me, then you, you just drift apart. Mm. Apathy is another thing. It's another toxin in a relationship. A really sad thing I hear very often is that one a long-term relationship ends and the other person says, what? What, what, what do you want to mean it ends? And the other, person's, the other person who's ending it says, you've got to be kidding. I have been telling you I'm unhappy for ages. And the other person says, oh, come on, I didn't think... It was that serious, I, you know, so, so that sort of idea of not, not taking it serious, being a bit apathetic about what your partner's saying, that's, that's another toxin. You know, dis, distractions are a, another one. You know, if, if you're, of course, we've got important distractions in life, work, exercise, friends, family, that sort of thing, but they need to be balanced that you show that the relationship's also a priority. You can't expect your relationship to be there if you don't give it any time. Mm-hmm. I, I once heard this um, mountaineer, I was living in the States and I heard this mountaineer talking and he um, had scaled the world's highest mountains and, and he, he was giving a talk to um, business people and he said that he remembered this distinctly when he was climbed, I don't know what, a K2 or one, I'm not a mountaineer, so one of those big mountains and he, he stood on the top and he metaphorically looked down to thinking he'll see the um, the pride in his wife and children, and they were nowhere to be seen. They'd gone long ago because, yes, they thought, you know, good on you and we're, we're proud of your achievements, but there's no room in, our, in your life for us. So that, that is definitely the case when we're talking about, you know, work or hobbies or whatever it is. So, so they're the sort of to- toxins I'm talking mm-hmm. about. You can see they're not really... Um, I'm not talking about really serious toxins like like violence, um, mm. but I am talking about toxic elements that mm. that you could be destroying a perfectly good relationship without knowing it. Um, 
I know that it's an it's an issue. I've I've written about it. Um, you know, it never used to happen because the technology wasn't there. But you know, checking someone else's mm-hmm. phone or looking at their phone screen when messages come up. Toxic. What is it? Uh, what is it from? Why do people do that? Well, insecurity, jealousy. Mm. Remember what jealousy is? Jealousy is a fear of losing someone mm-hmm. that you love. You know, so then you get this overwhelming fear that so you think, okay, I can get control over that if I if I somehow snoop. And and snooping, checking someone's phone, it, it's a lose lose situation. Yeah. Because you think about it, if you're, if you're feeling really jealous and then your partner goes off and has a shower and you go through their phone and you don't find anything, you feel relief. You think, oh, that's good. Okay, must be in my mind. But that relief you feel reinforces that checking behaviour. We call that in psychological terms negative reinforcement. It takes away the negative feeling of fear or insecurity. And so then next time they have a shower, just have another little check because this is really fun. It's quite addictive. And if you find something, this is what I hear in my office all the time, they find something, but it's a bit iffy. It's not clear. What are they going to do with it? You know, are they going to go in there and accuse them? And and no one likes to be falsely accused. And and so that person, if they're not feeling their trust, what do they do? They start deleting all their messages. That mm. looks even more sus. And before you know it, this mistrust is in the relationship. Oh. It's it's a mess. Goodness. Do you think that there's... I mean, I I, I, I remember my, uh, my ex very early said to me, like, she said, I'm never going to look. If you have to tell me something, tell me something. And I said, yeah, that's totally fine. And the other, we had this other really great ground rule, which I really liked. You're always free to go. Mm. Mm. It wasn't, don't you dare look at someone else. Mm. It's like, you're always free to go. Mm. Mm. I might not be here when you come back. Mm. That's right. <laughs> but you're more than welcome to go and it's not, so it's, it's on you, buddy. Yeah, that's right. That's what I mean by, by you're still two whole people. Yeah. It, it's always a choice. That's what commitment is. Commitment is a decision. It's a choice to be with that person. Mm. And without that commitment, the relationship won't work. But it's a commitment you can break. Mm. And if, if somebody breaks that commitment, you can come back from that broken commitment. Two people can recommit, decide, okay, let's, let's work on this and move past it. But you need to recommit again. And I think it's a really powerful message. And I always say to people when they're really getting so distressed about the fact that their partner might be, you know, cheating or, or having wandering eyes, then, you know, always think, well, as you say, they, they are free to go. You've got to cross your fingers mm. that they don't. Keep working on everything you can do. Um, but, but checking on their phone or, or, you know, accusing them of cheating is not going to keep them there. Do you think that people have like I'm going to ask you a general question but in your experience Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Do people have realistic expectations of relationships or do they come to your office and you have to say, okay, so you've seen what happens on the telly. Here's what it's really about. <laughs> I don't think telly's the the one to blame here. Some romantic comedies for uh. female might be, but more importantly, your parents. Uh. That that's often where it comes from. And poor parents, you know, cop a lot because I, I find some some adult children uh, are very commitment phobic, very frightened to commit if their parents have got a fabulous relationship. Mm-hmm. Because I remember one, um, I saw two sisters and a brother in the same family and, and all of them had had disastrous relationship histories and could not find anything. And when I talked to them, their parents had been blissfully married. The father had died quite young in his 50s. But because they all thought, well, this relationship's not quite like mum and dad's. Huh. So I'm not going to commit to this one until I find someone like my mother or father. Oh, you know, no. so you think, oh, my gosh, the poor things. Here they are. <laughs> they're, they're happy they've raised three children, had a great, given them a great childhood, and they're still being told that, well, yeah, but you set the bar a bit high. And, now. and then, of course, if there is, um, you know, dysfunction or, or um, trouble in the relationship and the kids grew up with that, then that influences them well. So we normally do base our expectations on, obviously, our experience. And then, of course, you can have... That that can be fine. You can have realistic expectations based on your parents' relationship, but then it might be your first love. And if you're crushed then, then you carry that fear through, oh, I don't know if I want to risk that again. So then, you know, you, that's, what, that's our emotional baggage. We carry through every experience that happens. So you think about relationships that no wonder they're, they're tough because so, there are so many influences on them. I had a... It was unfortunately about... And I had no idea, as you mentioned earlier. It was about a month before um, I got divorced. And a guy I trust a lot, and I know I had struggled a bit, he said to me... Um, he was asking me how things are going, and I knew by then, I said, man, things are really tough. Things are really, really hard. And he said, look, there's no the one... Mm. It's just the one who's willing to work on it with mm. you. Oh, gosh, you see, you've had some good people in your life. Well, I, I heard it pretty late. <laughs> <laughs> it was well and truly gone by yeah. then. Yeah. But that, that is true. That's the other thing. People trying to find their soulmate, their one, and then when they think they've found it, they or you know, found him or her, then they think, oh, good, okay, now I don't need to work on this. Now I can relax and get on with it because this was the, the one person, which is, yeah, there's lots of people. There's lots of people for all of us. It's finding that person to commit to. Well, that's my question. It's like, relax and get on with what? <laughs> get on with, well, life, taking them for granted, thinking that, yeah. you know, that it's all going to be okay because we love each other, we're, we're committed, we know, we're married or we've you know, made that commitment to move in together, we're, we're on track, so it doesn't really matter if I, if I don't treat you that well. I had this couple I... Um, interviewed for, for an early book and they were, had been married for 60 years and, and one thing I said to them, what was the, 
what was what's your secret? You know, as you always ask elderly couples, and they said we treat each other like the most important guest in the house. Huh. So when they come in, you know, it, the welcome, the you know, the the just the way they you know even gave them a cup of tea, the best china they just save for each other, and I thought, oh, how beautiful is that? Because that that's that's often a key to you think about how you treat your close friends or your or your mum or, or your kids if you're a parent. And often we treat all those people better than we treat our partners because that's what I mean. You just think, oh, they'll be right, they're there. Take them for granted, don't need to worry about them. That sounds like a, that's a pretty dangerous way Very dangerous. to behave. Yeah, very dangerous. And if that partner says, hey, come on, you, you're nicer to your friends than to me, then you, what's the immediate thing? They you know, come back, well, same with you, you know? <laughs> what you do to me you're nicer to your mate than you are to me so again no empathy no validation on it goes until it doesn't go any long <laughs> uh, I, I know you know boys have trouble with a lot of this stuff though boys have stuff with especially in, in the, the the kind of culture of yeah you'll be right mate so i was at a party and uh just the other day and there was one two three women all right and one guy and i'd come over to say hello to this group of people and I was chatting with the women and chatting with the guy. I was introducing myself and we were having a bit of a conversation. And uh, the girls were asking me questions about work and I was answering them. And it was all kind of going very well. But the guy kept coming. I was like, yeah, but you're not fucking that, are you? Uh, and I was, I was like, yeah. I don't know. He must have gone about 10 times having mm. a go. I'm like, what? Mm. Why? You know, why are you poking me in the eye all the time in front of these people? Guys were weird. We mm. that's kind of how. And in the end, we exchanged email addresses and we're helping each other out with something. But that's kind of how guys express mm. from a very young age affection. Affection to each other is kind of like the verb. It's like the punch in the arm. Yeah, hey, mate. Oh, but it's a verbal version of that. And so we don't really know. For guys have a hard time with that kind of empathy and with that that. But behavior. not with women. They often don't. You know. You, you really? talk Yeah. Because I think. Again, if you just talk about a, a social setting, often, yeah, you know, you've got the maybe the Australian scenario of the guys around the barbecue and the girls all chatting inside, but the guys around the, bar- the barbecue all going, yeah, 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 you know, you know, how about that? And, you know, what about the game and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then when it does mix up, then you'll find that guy who's really, well, I certainly want to know it's my job, so I'm cheating, but, but you know, you, you really do find those guys in far more intimate, intense conversations when they're with a female. Oh. Um, because I think they, they, as I said, and you find that in therapy too, it's the guys who, who love it and the guys who don't want to leave often because they, they really, I think they're wanting the same thing. They still want to open up, but, yeah. They're, yeah, from a very young age. Gosh, I've got one son, one daughter, and just from a young age, you know, my son and his friends would all, the banter, the absolute knocking each other no matter what happened, whereas the girl's going, oh, you look so lovely, give me a kiss, I love you, I love you, I love you, miss you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. I, I prefer the second option, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. I never got that whole cutting mm. you down to show you mm. I love you thing. It's mm. like, just tell me you're happy with it. Mm. And it's, it's kind of the, the cultural difference of living in America versus here, you know, uh, that's quite, quite clear. Yeah, right. You, you really go to live Australian. in America for a while, uh, you know, as you know, and people are like, oh, you're having a go? Good for you. <laughs> yeah, Rather exactly. Like, you having a go? Why? Yeah. Yeah, don't get too big for your boots. You Hold know. on there, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think you are? It's actually quite nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> you right. Know? It is. It's actually quite nice to be, kind of, kind of be around that. <laughs> um, the, the, 
Now, I, have a, I wanted to ask you about this uh, because there's a mate of mine who's he's really handsome, hmm. like very, like cover of GQ magazine handsome. Mm-hmm. He's probably been on the cover of GQ magazine. Very successful, has about 10 different businesses, is independently wealthy, so does what he does because he loves it and makes money off it. Can't make a relationship last mm. past 90 days. Mm. From his choice or? His choice. Oh, he... He can't get past 90 days. Mm, And I know that once the... That first six weeks of just like, wow, and that amazing kind of early kind of the sex is great Mm, and everything mm. sounds like the Burt Bacharach songs, Mm. you know, and the look (laughs) of love. It's like... He's got it. Oh, yeah. And then you start slipping off the edge of that and you're into kind of routine like mm, that bubble burst yeah, yeah now yeah. that's a really tricky part mm. isn't it? Mm. it 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 is and i think that that's why you know often the beautiful people have a, a lot of trouble and and the same as um kids who are really successful when they're young have a lot of trouble because you think if you've got all that attention it is addictive. It is. Um, it does inflate the the self esteem, but only on that very superficial level. So that when yeah you're in a relationship, or in the case if it's career success, when you just get back into the mundane everyday life stage of a relationship or career, then yeah you're quick to to experience boredom, and and have that urge that compulsion to go and get that hit again that that hit of the attention and new love and that you know bubble when you know it's just so um the only thing you think about day and night yeah so i often if you can you know a slow build a slow start to a relationship often um goes a distance more than something that's just complete fireworks from the start that's not really the Australian way, though, is it? <laughs> oh, people in the States ask how... Because I hate dating. Uh, I hate internet dating. Oh, we can talk about that later. Mm. I can't stand it. Um, and they say, well, how's it work in Australia? It's like, well, you meet someone at a pub on Friday night, go home, you shag, uh, you find her out on a Saturday night, she stays over, you go to the markets on a Sunday, you drop her work on Monday, you're dating by Wednesday. <laughs> That's it. You're full-time. Next yep. weekend, she stays over the whole time and leaves you an extra toothbrush in your bathroom. <laughs> so, see, the problem with that picture is, a, as I said before, commitment is a decision. Yeah. And if there's never a decision, I mean, I'm not saying you have to make that decision in the first week or, you know, even the first year if you don't want to. But if a decision's never made then and that commitment's never there, then it's gonna, the relationship's going to be vulnerable because people have normally got one foot out the door thinking it's always just testing. Let me just... We'll see how this goes. That sort of sentiment, we'll see how this goes for as long... Oh, it's going quite well. It's still going quite well. That's good, so I'm still here. But that's very different to, you know, building up to a point, wow, let's have that really difficult conversation or 10 Mm. (laughs) about whether we're going to make a go of this. How do you... What are some ways that you can identify... What are some ways that you can get through that bubble moment? Well, you've got to enjoy the bubble moment. I mean, that, that's the thing. Really, give, give yourselves over to the bubble moment. You know, you, you really do want to say to your friends and family, sorry, I'm not going to have much time. I've met this amazing person. I want to spend, you know, every spare minute with them. So, so give over to them. That's great. And in that um, bubble moment, 
you know, as, as, as well as all the sex and, and all this, you know, intense chemistry, make sure you have lots and lots of conversations. You want to really get to know that person because that's when they're going to be most open ah. in, in that bubble. So really get to know them. And in that time, you will discover their faults. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, that's what's really important because you have to know and accept the other person's faults before you commit to them. So, and normally when you have the, the, the massive faults become obvious, that's when that bubble bursts. <laughs> and that's a good thing because when that bursts, then you, you're into, as you say, that, that calmer stage where you might be a little bit more rational. Mm-hmm. And that's when you let your other friends and work commitments and all that sort of stuff come into the relationship. Because you, again, you can't, that, that's why holiday roman, romances, you, you shouldn't make a decision when you met them on holidays. You should, you should yeah, enjoy it, great. Even if that holiday is for a year, great, do that. But then you've got to road test in real life. You've got mm. to come back and let them see how you are with your friends and family, see how they are with theirs, see how they treat a wait staff, you know, the wait staff in a, in a cafe, see how, how they balance work and, and life, see, mm. see all of those things, and that's when you'll discover um, what they're really like, and that's when you can make an informed decision about whether you can work on this relationship. And... I, I guess some of the times that, you know, because that rush is amazing. Mm, that right. first couple of weeks, yeah. is, it's biologically probably programmed that way. Mm, it's pretty it is, incredible. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've experienced it. You, know, you kind of sit around and you go, why can't it be like it was yeah. at the start? Mm. Can it ever be again like it was at the start? No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but... As I said, that, that's good in a way. So that's, that's why you want to embrace and enjoy it and hopefully let it last as long as possible. Um, but there, there are also downsides to that bubble. Not, not many. <laughs> but, but the downside, it is really hard to get anything else done. It is really hard to live. So if, if it was constantly like that, if you were having a new relationship every 90 days as your mate is, you know, that you know, might sound really fun, and, but he's obviously successful and it's fine, but he's never getting into that. There's also a lot to be said for the long term. I've been with my now husband for 29 years. It is, it's just lovely to have someone you've got so much history with. Mm. It's just that, that level of... Of comfort and that you can sit and reminisce. I mean, that, that's you miss out on that stuff if you're in the bubble the whole time. Yeah. What about uh, when you're in that kind of routine phase? When you're in that, when the relationship becomes far more practical, and it's more about um, who's cooking. Yeah. <laughs> can you give, 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 where are your spare keys? I've got to move the car. <laughs> yeah. uh, did you drop that thing off? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, Barry's got the thing. Did you lend that? Oh, <laughs> my drill is at Jennifer's house. Do you want me to go over there? Oh, I'll come back. Da, 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 da. There's none of the stuff that started it. And it, the relationship doesn't look a thing like it did at the beginning. How, what are some ways that you can kind of, I don't want to, don't use the word spark, what is some use the word that you can add value? Okay, uh, why don't you think about changing when that spark moves into more intimacy? Mm-hmm. Okay, so intimacy means sharing. So, yeah, there's lots of sexual in- intimacy, so, um, but there's also that emotional intimacy. And again, when you get into that routine stage of living where it's all just pragmatics, who's doing what, when, blah, blah, blah. That idea of just sitting together on the couch or in bed and actually saying, I can't believe what I did today and you're the only person I can tell. 
You know, I'm just so mortified and ashamed at what I've done. But because we are in this stage of the relationship where I really trust you and I'm committed to you, I'm going to tell you this. And I trust that you're just going to say, I love you anyway. You know, so so think about keeping the intimacy alive mm-hmm. rather than that initial spark. Initial spark is hard to keep alive. Some people have it burning. Normally people have it burning throughout, have it pretty rocky relationships, you know, really fiery fights and great makeup sex. And don't think that if people fight a lot it means a bad relationship. Not at all. There's plenty of good relationships where people fight a lot, obviously not violently, fight a lot, and there's people who never fight. They can all have strong relationships. It's just whatever dynamic you have. But that that intimacy, vulnerability, um, is it really brings you closer. The other key, make sure that if you have any good news in your day it's your partner you tell first don't ring your mate your girlfriend your mum your dad your grandma you know ring your partner tell them save it up if you see someone else first you think you're bursting with this news i've just got this gig or whatever don't don't tell anyone else then not a text not a text well no a text is i've got some exciting news you know can't wait to celebrate tonight you know make it build up that's nice but but really share those special moments with that person and then as I said you might have just been working out whose turn it is to cook dinner but that's more reminiscent of the early days when you're saying let's just share this moment and the same with bad news if something Mm. really bad's happened make sure it's your partner you tell first and even if they're traveling or away save it up until you can't maybe speak to them until it's morning your time but make sure you set up a conversation, you know, Skype, FaceTime, something like that, where you can really say, hey, I, I know you're away, but I really want to share this with you. Yeah. That brings you closer. That's a really, that's a really good one. And what about, uh, this is the other thing I kind of want to ask you, because, you know, I came up at dinner last night. I was at dinner with some friends who were, uh, some of it I haven't seen in a while. But you get that, the complaint, and I know, you know, oh, I can't stand it. Every guy seems to be this, or every girl I'm ever with seems to be that. Um, at what point, you know, what would you say to people who have that complaint that every guy has this, like a similar trait or every relationship I'm in is the same? Well, you may be the common denominator. Right. <laughs> yeah, that you might think I'm, you know, I'm either attracted to this similar person, which is often the case. We are often attracted to the same type of person or it may be that that is one thing that you're you know pretty you know hyper vigilant about you're on the lookout for that particular tracer you see it whereas someone else it wouldn't even bug that, mm. that's often the case what, what, what we complain about in our relationships if you complain a bit to friends they'll say gosh I wish I had that well, so your partner's really anal and wants to clean up all the time. Gosh, I wish I had a tiny bit of that. My partner won't do anything. Uh-huh. And, and that's, that's often the case. Oh, gosh, what do you mean your partner rings you all day? I wish my partner would ring me once. You know, so um, I think that complaints are okay. Uh, I wouldn't, well, I don't think it's great to really air your dirty laundry too much because, again, what that does is if the more you go outside the relationship for stuff, you know, whether it's, as I said, sharing that special news or complaining about your partner, then the less the relationship has that in it. Uh, so does that make sense? So then yeah. when you come home, all you've got to to talk about is whose turn it is to cook or wash uh, up. Whereas if you say, listen, this is really getting me down and I wish we could do something about this and you've just shared it with them, then again, there, there are ways to keep, as I keep 
coming back to that, they keep that intimacy there. Whereas if you're getting those needs met by your mates or your girlfriends or your mum, then um, the relationship... Just becomes practical. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have much need for it. Someone to share the rent with. Yeah, that's right. Flatmates. Oh, man. Sad. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's really, that's really interesting that you say that. So some people might count it by saying, but I love my mates. I love my girlfriends. I love the relationship with my mum. What would you say to that? Great. I mean, that, that's the other thing. You, when I keep saying, yes, you, you're two individuals and that those two individuals need to have their own interests. I think if, if you're so dependent on each other for everything, so I, I'm saying share, keep the most intimate things for mm. each other, but then have lots of things that you share with your friends and your mm. family. Because that's great. Because if you think about that too, I'm going away with a girlfriend tomorrow for the weekend. We're going to have a great, in Melbourne, we're going to have a great time. We do it once a year. And that's, that's really good for my relationship at home because I'm, I'm going away. I'm going to have a great time, lots of laughs, come back and, and be refreshed and, and have some funny stories to tell. You know, that, that's really good. So it's not that you don't have those friends and family. In fact, without those external interests, then it's the opposite. You, the the uh, relationships carrying the, everything and that, that person has to be everything to you. They have to be every friend, your best friend, your lover, your flatmate, everything. And that, that can weigh that relationship down. So I'm talking about the most intimate things. You know, if you can think about um, concentric circles, the most inner circle is just you and your partner. The next circle out, your besties. Mm. And then you've got your friends and then acquaintances and then mm. people down the street. And, and the further out they are, the less information you share. So the most you share is with the, that person. But gosh, you've got some other circles of friends there that you share a lot. Unless you have a podcast and I, you know, you talk about everything, which <laughs> 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 is <just> me. <laughs> but I don't have anybody to share it with at the moment. So this is how I'm, that's right. Well, there you go. This is this is how I'm sharing it. But it seems like a very fine balance. You keep, you know, to, to, it's a fine balance to strike, and it, difficult it seems sometimes to, you know, know where that line is. But that's that's a really 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 powerful um, thing thing to say. What are some, you know, what are some some I guess some practical things? For example, if people are listening to this and they're in a relationship with their, their, their boyfriend or their girlfriend, um, what are some practical things that they may be able to start doing if they've noticed, oh, it is a bit mundane, it is a bit practical, and besides the, the intimacy that, the, the, that you, you're talking about? We're not talking about physical intimacy. <laughs> what are some things that they can just start to do today that could start to make things a bit better? Start to, to go through your day with your partner in mind. Okay, so just go through and if you see, you know, a, a funny, like I did yesterday, a dog barking up at a tree full of cockatoos and getting really feisty and <laughs> fired up about it, I thought that was a funny scene, you know, tried to think about it, how to tell that story at night, you know. Um, silly little example, but, but keeping y your partner in mind to, to make a point of, Getting through, say, when you when you reconnect, that's that's one thing. Make sure it's a really nice reconnection. Make sure it's a high, you know, a, a hug, eye contact, you know, nice to see you. Like that special guest I was talking about before. Yeah. After that, then you go through the the routine of whatever the afternoon, morning, evenings activities are, and then say, oh, I've just got a funny story to tell you. You know, just tell a story. or And it could be a hard story. I want to tell you something really difficult that happened today. But as I said, make sure you think about something you can share with that person. 
I promise you, if you made a commitment to do that every time you reconnect, and even if that's after a week apart, a month apart, for whatever reason, if you saved up some some stories rather than, oh, thank goodness you are here because seriously, I'm sick of doing all of this with the kids or I am, I need you to fix all this or, you know, I'm, I'm the only one doing this and you're arguing over the chores then no one's in the mood for sharing anything and, and yeah. um, the problem starts. So what about in this world where, you know, someone would have taken a photo of that dog in the cooker yes. and put it on Facebook a minute later going, oh, my God, yes. look what just happened. Yes. And, see, and do you know, when I was – I seriously was, and I did have my phone with me, and it, it, that is a real problem, isn't it? And you, you really are thinking, oh, I could just take a video of this. This is really funny. But one, I suppose I'm trained to know that's not very mindful. It's far better to just sit mm. and be with it and watch it rather than through the the lens. And secondly, if you tell a story, I mean, I can embellish it all I want, you know. It was yeah. far funnier when I told it later <laughs> than at the time. Because it seems like the, the kind of things you're recommending to save up and, and, and share with your partner are the things that people want to put on Facebook. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So what what would you say, what role does that kind of sharing, that kind of Facebook sharing play in, in the toxicity of relationships? Yeah, I'm... I don't want to sound like some, you know... You're a trained clinical psychologist, you can say. I can say. <laughs> obviously, I'm not a fan. I don't think it's, I don't think why? it's a great way. Well, just for exactly that... Because people may not realise why... I mean, it's, it's so it's seductive. You get that little squirt of opiate, you know, every time that you... Uh, the dopamine pops into your brain yeah. every time you see someone likes you, the little thing. It means it's completely meaningless. Yeah. But someone likes your photo and your phone beeps at you and you go, oh, good, life is great. People who, across the world that I met once on a backpacking trip think this photo is cool. And then it's gone. Yeah. And then you check the crackbook again. My friends and I call it crackbook. <laughs> you, you check it yeah. again thirty seconds later to see yeah. if anyone else has liked yeah. it. You know, this is. It's yeah, but you know, like with any addiction, what what happens is there, there's the downside. You know, there, there's the fact that firstly, what happens if you don't get as many likes as you wanted, hmm. or if you get a negative comment, or then that you come crashing down, or and you start measuring your worth hmm. through how many people did comment or, or like it and secondly what's it interfering with what's it stop what's it stopping you doing you know you're not having those conversations if you're sitting there scrolling through Facebook my um son who's 20 us uh, he, he lives um away and I was talking to him last night and he said gosh I wish I was in I lived when you grew up he said you know you go out and you have a really good night and it's great and then you're tired and you want to go home to bed but you have to stay on Facebook because you might be missing out. You might be, everyone's still discussing, everyone's still... And if you wake up in the morning and there was this massive conversation that's gone on, you weren't in it, you think, ah, oh, see, look at that, I'm not as close to those people. He said, I wish it was like your day, that you just go home and go, OK, cool, see you next week, you know? And that's... I felt really sad for him. I thought, how, how awful that that pressure you have mm. to be liked, to be connected, is actually making people feel really isolated. So, and that's not even getting into the problems within a relationship that Facebook cause with the jealousy yeah. and insecurity when when you're going through your partner's Facebook and there's all their exes, all these people making, you know, inappropriate comments and then you're accusing them of having some affair. Oh my I, I can't tell you how many how many Facebook accounts I sit in my office. Just it used to be email chat rooms. We're way on past that. Um, and now it's yeah, just text messages or Facebook messages. And right. it's people are just tying themselves up in knots over what their partner's doing online. What would you say to those people? 
Well, firstly, as you say, don't look. <laughs> Stop looking because it's going to do your head in. Um, if they don't want to be there, they'll they'll go. But secondly, yeah, you know, what are you getting out of this? What are you getting out of? Some Facebook people are Instagram? listening to this right now, going, "I can't not look at my yeah, ex's Facebook." I know. I know. Oh gosh, stalking your ex. Oh, that's definitely going to do your head in. That that's because you you can't move on. You can't put that. In the past, if you are just constantly being reminded of this person and who, what they're doing and who they're seeing, that, that is just absolutely torturous. So even if you can just put, give yourself a little break, you know, maybe you know, a couple of months, six months, hopefully. Yeah, I did that. Well, yeah, yeah I great. deleted an entire account. Yeah, great, great. Well Got rid done. of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just so I was tagged in every photo, and mm-hmm. people were liking photos. And I'm like, I can't see this mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Good, no. good. That's great. No, I built a new one, and then <laughs> super selective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, that's yeah exactly yeah. right. And that's that's what we should all do. But I mean, I I just feel, I mean, I think it's hard enough for adults, but but for mm. young people, I think it's just it, it's it's really damaging. But I know it's not going anywhere. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping they get to a point where they see that you know make a decision to insta cleanse insta cleanse <laughs> yeah, take you know, a i had a friend that uh, her partner is uh lives uh, a friend of mine's in, in america and her partner lives outside of america and it was to a point where she ended up deleting facebook twitter and instagram mm. off her phone mm. she still had it on her laptop mm. but she took it off her phone yeah, great because she was just like i can't i can't deal yeah and she said it was great. She had so much more time in the day. Um, oh, because it was driving her nuts with the the, the boyfriend's um, activities. Because mm. mm. her brain was just going with it. Yeah. She's yeah. like, this isn't real. I'm making stuff up and yeah. getting upset about stuff that's something that I'm making him wrong for something that I made up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, horrendous. Horrendous. So not just time, but, you know, mental yeah. space just filled yeah. with this stuff. Yeah. Don't know what the answer is because it's, as I said, it's not going. Anywhere. Yeah, but Facebook's probably not the best thing for a relationship. No, no, <laughs> no. Even if you met that way, <laughs> which well, does happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. Yeah, but again, depends how you met. If you met someone on Facebook when they were all in a relationship with someone else, oh. and you, you know, Spark was there and you met up, then please don't be surprised if. Um, that's how your relationship ends, too. <laughs> oh, you're too good. You're too good. Detox Your Relationship is your sixth book. Uh, you're publishing it... Um, in June. In June. You can go to detoxyourrelationship.com. Fantastic. Um, I'm glad we talked about, you know, some symptoms earlier on, because a lot of people may not realise that that's a, you know, those are a factor. They're really good. And I'm glad we talked about ways to kind of remedy that. You've offered some really... Very practical, and I didn't expect what you just said as a way to work it. It sounds very simple, and I kind of wish that I'd met you five years ago. (laughs) Simple is good. Good advice should always be, yeah, okay, well, that's pretty common sense. Yeah, I I kind of wish that I'd met you five years ago (laughs) because you just told me some really, oh, yeah. Mindfulness, such a look just today. Now, how am I going to, where do I train in mindfulness? What's the scenario? Oh, oh, there's lots of courses. Yeah? Yeah, what would you recommend? Um, open road's really good. Open road, mindfulness, you know, you, it's good to do a course, mm. an eight-week course, yeah. that sort of thing. It, it's pretty, it's pretty confronting for a lot of people because, yeah, when you're quietening your mind and focusing, it's amazing what other things flood in, mm. but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's such, I mean, I know it's such a, a buzzword at the moment, but it, I think the West is really 
catching up with the East and discovering, yeah, they've got some pretty cool ways of looking at things. There's something going on there. Yeah, there's something going on. All right, I'm going to have to figure that out. (laughs) Uh, Detoxyourrelationship.com. Go there. Can you pre-order the book? I'm not sure, but you can go. Uh, yeah, no, you can go then put on yourself on a list. You can get yeah, on the so mailing the list, it, yeah, and you'll you'll know when it's yeah, out. Yeah, uh, it's coming out as an ebook. Is it coming yep, out as yep. a as a physical? No, I love it. Look at you, future. No. <laughs> Oh, I am happening. <laughs> you are the total future. This is fantastic. Um, I'm so grateful you could uh, you could come on. Great to have a chat. It, it'd be lo- lovely to do this again. Sure. You're tops. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> See ya. That's Joe Lamble. You can find her on Twitter at J O L A M B L E at Joe Lamble. If you like the show, just reach down to your phone right now, pull it out of your pocket, or however you're listening to this, and hit share and just share this out. Just tell a friend about the show. That's the only marketing I do. Um, and that means the world to me. If you liked what she and I were talking about, if you liked what Joe and I were talking about, I do have another podcast called Let Me Tell You Something. It's with Natalia Perez. She and I talk about relationships. You can find us in the iTunes store. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being in touch. Thanks to everybody that reaches out. It really means a lot. Um, if you do want to get in touch, just subscribe to the uh, mailing list and write back to me there. I read them all. Uh, I read them all. I write back to pretty much all of them too. So have a good week. Um, I wish you good mental hygiene. And um, honestly, I don't—I haven't left you with a song for a while. But since Joe and I talked, I've kind of had this song stuck in my head. So let's go out with this. It's one of the most wonderful love songs ever recorded. It's about those because she and I talked about the bubble a lot, and this song is just all about the bubble. Um, it's the, those magical first six weeks of a relationship where all the neurons and pheromones are firing. Burt Bacharach uh, wrote this uh, feature. It's a Dusty Springfield singing it. Think of your lover when you listen to this. And when you see them next, like Joe says, just greet them like the most important person in the world. Sleep well. Dream of beautiful things. And I'll talk to you next week. The look of love is in your eyes a look your smile can't disguise the look of love it's saying so much more than just words could ever say and what my heart has heard well it takes my breath away I can hardly wait to hold you feel my arms around you how long I have waited waited just to love you now that I've found you you've got the look of love it's on your face the look the time can erase Be mine tonight Let this be just the start of so many nights like this Let's take a lover's vow and then seal it a kiss I can hardly wait to hold you
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save 